Hey everyone, this is Tales of Recovery. Um, my name is Gris Alves, and I'm going to talk a little bit about grief and how love broke ancestral chains in my family. So if you listened back in January to the podcast I sent out about walking my mother home, uh, you know, she passed away after about two years of struggling in and out of her health with having had a stroke and lots of other medical conditions. Um, and we dove deeply into just facing it straight up, right? We got to wear the face of our pain without any masks. And this morning, actually this afternoon, a few hours ago, I was online, like everybody else during this time, doing a Zoom breathwork session with my friend Katie Schumberg. And if you don't know who she is, the medicine, um, she's a medicine woman. She's just, the Rosewater Healer is her name on Instagram. And she guides you in these breathwork exercises that, you know, they're about 40 minutes long, but it's like seriously being on plant medicine. And the release that happened for me today, as, as, I, w- as I went into this session, I was thinking, all right, I need to write something about grief. I've been guiding daily meditations on Instagram live of mindfulness and calm and centering the nervous system down so that we can be, you know, more at ease during this uncertain times and practicing calm and just being aware of what's going on. And I thought, okay, I'll I'll write something about grief. And I have these little notes here. Before I started the breathwork session, I wrote, let's talk about practicing grief, right? How grief is just united to joy and gratitude. Um, But if we don't know how to feel it, then we also miss out on the joy and the gratitude. It's just grieving is a part of being human. And I go into the session and we do the breath work and I go into, I don't know where, this release that just came. You just, you move a lot of energy in these sessions and my heart just opened up and I began to remember my mom and I just went and felt all of these emotions, but the main one was just, I really, just sadness, just grief, just a longing, but not really like to have her right here with me, but more of a sadness of how things are constantly changing and of when she left and just how like I would touch her face and I would come in to see her and she'd tell me like, you know, are you going to cuddle? Yeah, you know, I'd climb up to her hospital bed and we would just cuddle standing outside or sitting outside in the garden, looking at the plants, you know, after it would take us like 45 minutes just to convince her to please sit on the chair to just let's go outside and look at the birds and the plants and all of these lovely vegetables that our friend Jillian had planted for us. And all these special moments, uh, I remember coming in to see her once when she was on her bed. I would come in in the morning, first thing in the morning, right after I dropped off my son from school, and I just... I got on my knees and I put my face on her lap and I just started bawling. And this was about, you know, three or four months before she even died. I just knew it was coming and we knew. And then she would call me and say at night, are you going to come tomorrow morning and cry again with me? <laughs> yes, mom, I'm going to come tomorrow morning and cry with you again. And then that was our thing for like a week, like come over and cry, come over and cry because we were practicing grief we wouldn't say anything. We wouldn't be like, we're crying because you're dying. But we knew. 
you know, we're crying because the love is so tangible and so present. And the, the, what I was thinking about after all of this release and all of this crying is just our love, like my mom's love for me and my love for her. During these two years, we just, we broke ancestral chains of oppression of women, conditioning, programming about what's right, what's wrong, what looks good, what doesn't look good. And there was a lot of really heavy, heavy freaking boundaries that, that we had to set. But I, I was so grateful during this crying, just like that my mom allowed this, like that she went along with it. You know, like my mom by the end, I mean, my mom was like super super dope. I mean, she was just a cool, a cool mom, but the family she was born into, you know, like Mexicans families, and she was from Mexicali and grandparents were from Sonora and, you know, like this whole struggle with really unconsciously, because by the time she was born, I don't think she was consciously struggling with colonialism and the effects that that has brought, that that brought to the table growing up, wanting to be from Europe and not necessarily, you know, look like a like a Native American from Mexico. And all of these survival instincts of you have to look good and you have to be white and you have to be pretty and you have to do this and this and the other. And I remember, I mean, it was always like, oh, are you going to have dinner? Like my, I would remember my grandparents talking about like, this family is from this place and they do this, and they have that. And this family, muy buenas familias, and this family. And I remember looking at my grandmother thinking, I don't give a shit what, the, what family they're from. Are they cool? Are they a beneficial presence to this planet? And why are they any better than Mr. Over Here XYZ, who maybe doesn't come from this specific family? Like, why are we giving so much praise to somebody who has, like, a lot of money or prestige or this and that. I mean, there is, and what I'm what I'm trying to get at is during these last two years, I mean, that's one of the examples of of these um, conditionings about like who's who and who you're hanging out with and moving up in the world or being part of this community or not. And then also like the way you look, like you must always be pretty and, you know, la gente bonita. And if you're in this magazine, Hola Magazine, then whoa, you know, you've made it. And like, I think like during this time after my mom had her stroke, it was just so pressing about how, you know, things fucking get ugly, man. When you're sick, when you're puking, when you got area, and, and my mom didn't have that sickness, but I mean like me in general, like you guys, any day that you've been sick or you've been out drinking when you were younger and you just were like on the toilet, believing in God, help me, I will never do this again. Like those things, you can't make that shit pretty. Yet everybody has those moments. And so part of this ancestral like necessity to be like all Botoxed up and looking always perfect and pretty, it just um, it doesn't allow the space for grief. And so that emotion gets repressed and all of this anger comes in place. Because since you can't allow the grief to flow in your body, well, guess what? It's going to manifest in some other way. And there's so much anger and shaming and judgment. 
And so we, we just, without, I think, realizing it, tend to pass it on to our kids and their kids and other kids. And once my mom was in this stroke thing, the part of her brain that was not, um, well, the part of her brain that was affected was a part that um, had to do with really, I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't remember. I have to go look at the neurology report or whatever, but it was really the part that didn't give a shit anymore. <laughs> it's like unaware of like, I don't care. I'm not wearing makeup. I don't give a shit. And my mom would have never, but you know, I mean, yeah, she was pretty natural. She got without makeup, but I'm saying, I'm talking like, let's go out in pajamas and flip-flops and I'll just put on a jacket and drive around in the car. I don't give a shit. And I've always been more of a hippie. I'm barefoot. So I thought it was great. And um, this allowed a lot of uh, space really for breaking down all these ancestral patterns of hard, hard, hard perfectionism. And you have to look a specific way, um, you know, and it's just, I don't know. It's just, we were able to wake up to a lot of realities that I think for so many generations were, I mean, not that they didn't happen, but nobody ever talked about them. You know, I mean, it happens everywhere. Nobody's exempt. Just people don't talk about it because you don't want anybody else to know because you need to play the part and pretend you're perfect. And well, you know, that that doesn't really work out very well towards the end because it just doesn't. And my mom was this, she had a higher understanding of just spirituality. I mean, the way that... Um, because I think of myself now, like I have this altar that I keep with like all my crystals and candles and that's where I sit and I meditate and I pray and I light my incense and I just have these deep connecting moments with my body, with my um, spirit, higher self, great spirit. I mean, all of it. And this is just a practice that I do because I crave it. And, you know, I don't, I'm not in the church thing anymore and this mosque or that religion. I don't really give a shit about religions. It's what drives you to practice, to be sit, to stay calm, to observe. And then to get you to a higher place in your evolution in this human journey, right? Because as you evolve, consciousness evolves. And I was thinking about, like, what was my mom's altar? Because she never really was into church or anything like that. But her altar really was, like, going out into the woods. She loved horses. She had her horses, just, just horses and all these animals. Her altar was cooking and painting and creating art. She made the most beautiful flower arrangements and set up these tables for gathering people. Her altar was really gathering community. Our house was always packed of people. And just the way that she had this soft spirit. I remember years ago, one of my mom's friends told me, tu mamá tiene un espíritu tan bonito, right? I think it was Marcela, Paula's mom. And I thought, what do you mean? You know, I was like a 21-year-old thinking that my mom was just getting in the way of me doing crazy, whatever the hell I wanted to do things, which in some ways she was, but that's just what parenting is. Or, well, no, I don't think that's what parenting is. But anyway, you get the point. And I was like, what do you mean my mom is a beautiful spirit? And I just started, and I remember thinking, you know, she kind of, she does. 
My mom was like this mystical shaman. You know, when it was Ash Wednesday, she wasn't in the church. And what she would do, and my sister reminded me of this a couple weeks ago, she would take the cork from the wine bottle and uh, light it up a little bit, the end of it. And so then it was ashy. And then she goes one by one, come here, kids. She would just put ashes on her forehead and she'd be like, okay, there you go, there you go, there's your ash. We've done Ash Wednesday. And we were like, yeah, my mom is a shaman. We don't need to go to that church for some priest to put the ash. It was just like, it was just so cool and so free. There was so much freedom in her spirit in so many ways. And also so much constriction in other ways. And so this opportunity that I had, you know, is that not everything's going to be pretty. And not everything needs to be avoided. And not everything needs to be shoved down in this you know, under the under the mattress so nobody knows. All, this is all something that surfed during these last two years. And I remember talking to my mom about, like, um, about these issues, and she just looked at me like, no. I, I tell her, like, you know, we were oppressed and this and that, and even though we do whatever the hell we want, the deep conditioning in your mind is that you're still kind of like a little bit less than somebody else or that you have to you know, hold space and take care of every freaking buddy and leave yourself last. And that whatever the guy says is what the guy, you know, is what goes. And um, we didn't. My mom was a total rebel. But the deep conditioning was something that as we talked about these last two years, she would just be like, no, that's not true. Oh, yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. And also what's true is that you never, we never really learn also to say, no, no, thank you. Or no, no, thank you. I don't want that. I don't want that until you basically have to come up with a fuck you, get out of my way, because I'm not going to do this. And through my mom's illness, and she just kind of kept up dropping certain controls. You know, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't drive anymore. I can't make you do this. I can't call this person or, or go and buy that thing. It just, things started to fall out of control. And this softening, this opening in her heart, I think she just began to see things differently. And when you're dying, it's like this whole season of coming back and forth really with realizing what have you done in this lifetime? And part of what I think my mom conceded to was like, yeah, there was like, we we do not have to not, like we do not have to wear a mask we get to wear the face of our pain. And we cried together. Oh man, we cried together. I cried with my mom so many times and we would I would never do that before. Like, what are you talking about? You just kinda like go out and cry by yourself or I mean maybe I would not but not like together joyfully like grieving this man. It's ending. It's going to end, you know. And we kept, you know, she would tell me, like, what's going to happen? Like, show me how to meditate. What's going on? This sucks. And we just breathe in, stay in the present. What do we have right now? A cup of tea, a cup of ice cream, an inhale and exhale. We're touching our hands. This is it. Nothing else matters, you know. And with all of the, you know, messages and concerns about other people or, or family members or friends or neighbors wanting to do this or that with her, 
with me and telling me what to do. It's like, no, no, no. We are breaking ancestral chains of following orders from people that have nothing to do with our own body, our own soul and journey in this planet. And whoever doesn't understand, doesn't understand. El que no entiende, no entiende y no tiene que entender. It's not my responsibility nor was my mom's to make anybody else understand. My mom and I were cool with it. My dad was there watching, brother, sister. And I didn't really even consider how huge this was. I was at her house two days ago looking through some photos and I found pictures of my grandmother, my grandmother. Emma Araiza Guajardo was the most beautiful, high-end chick that you've ever met. I mean, she was like a freaking soldier. She had us like, you better listen to Mia because that's what we call her or else it's over. And she was strong. You know, she was, um, she was hard with us. She was hard with my mom. She was hard with us. And towards the end, she softened up so much. I think everybody, once you're reaching the later years, if... If all goes well and you've softened to life, um, she was way, way sweeter and and much more gentle and a funny, funny lady. And I saw these pictures, and my grandmother, who was like always, you know, dressed up in her Chanel or very fancy, always muy elegante and beautiful, and um, always her hair was done perfect and um, very proper, elegant, elegant as fuck, lady. And I see these pictures when she was young, you know, and I'm like, what? What's this? Dude, she's all dressed up like with pants and and these pictures like out in. She just looks like something that I would wear. Um, or maybe one of my cousins like she I just didn't know that in her younger age. She would actually dress, you know, not as it's not that it wasn't fancy. What I'm saying is, and I'm going to have to find these pictures and post them in here while I, um, on my Instagram when I send out this podcast because it's like she just likes no makeup. In one of the pictures, she's dressed up as a as a charro, like as this Mexican. I'm like, is that a boy? Is that my grandma? No, that was my grandma. And I just thought, you know, she was probably a rebel as well when she was young and just fierce. And then you're just growing up doing your thing and then boom, here comes the conditioning. Okay, now you're at an age where you can't wear these pants and be cool climbing up the the trees and the rocks anymore. Now you have to wear a dress and close your legs and act proper and find a nice husband and then train your kids to do the same. And then there's something that gets hardened in your heart and then that's why you're hard on other people, especially on other women, especially on your kids. And until you have an opportunity or some deep pain or something that comes up, you're able to be like, oh man, I can soften up. It doesn't fucking matter. And the program comes back in again and then things get peaceful and you're back into like, no, 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 calladita, close your legs, stand firm, don't let anybody be free. And this, this, this hardening of the heart is like this ancestral passing of the baton of like, you have to be, do you have to do this, dude? You have to be mean and, and rigid and just keep your shit together and don't express and don't grieve and don't let anybody know what you're feeling because that's weak. And it's not, it's not, it's, it's, it's invasive to the, to the issue, to the tissues of your body and the cells. 
it's like you have to allow these emotions to flow through you to release and cry and weep and sometimes not wear any makeup and not give a shit what people think because guess what? Everybody sometimes looks like shit. Not everybody always has the time to wear makeup. That's not who we are. And the programming is so deep about like it's how you look and it's how you achieve and it's what you do. And it's not. It has nothing to do with who you are. You know, if we can learn to trust and allow that the field of awareness, that great spirit holds so much more than just this programming. And it takes time, it takes work to let it go, but this ancestral chain was broken, even if just a bit, you know. And I, man, I gave my mom a lot of gray hair and a lot of shit. I mean, for having had the mom that she had, I tell you what, she was in for it with me because I was not having any of this shit since I was little. No, 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 no. Like pantyhose? Are you kidding me? I was like having, I I mean, I would rather just jump off a cliff and, you know, wearing like these outfits. Like, I, I mean, I had two or three outfits hitting in the trunk of my car for when I had to show up at specific places and play the part. But as soon as I left there, boom. Out comes the purple hair, and I'm wearing what I'm wearing. I mean, just these constant hiding. You truly want to express yourself to BS or to look at was very, very, you know, unhealthy. And it's part of who I am. It's part of what I had to go through to do this. But also, I am, like, aware now that a lot of that shit, because of love, because no matter what you have to come here to learn and and struggle with, and if you know you fought with your sisters or your aunts, your uncles or your mother, grandmother, father, the neighbor, the teacher, the priest, whatever the fuck happened to you in life, it's like a learning experience, and it's part of the journey to get to you to right here, right now. And that's what I thought about today. Is like, man, I was able to. Notice that the love my mom had for us broke these ancestral chains. Her resilience to just stick it out long enough for us to be able to process this, talk about it, cry, 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 and really love and accept all of it. You know, like at the end, you know, there we were smoking weed with my mom for anxiety and like nose rings and cracking up about all the things we did growing up and all of the um, adventures, really, that we had up until today. Yeah, and so I trust, you know, I trust in the ministry, trust in the mystery of wherever she's at right now. I feel her, I feel you, Ma. Um... The grief and all the tears that flew out of me today during Katie's breathwork session were juicy and just so sweet. And the release was healing. Thank you, Katie, for for holding that space. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm on Instagram every day, nine in the morning, since this pandemic started, guiding mindful practices of meditation of calm, and I didn't really realize you put out 
so much energy and I love it, man. I'm getting great feedback and just so many people that are touching their hearts and awakening to the fact that our bodies are miracles and that we can participate in um, in the deep intelligence that they hold, to calm them down with our breath, to soften our hearts, to have a lot of love and self-compassion. But then for somebody to come and hold space for me and be able to just grieve it all out was just beautiful. Um, at the Rose Water Healer is her name on Instagram. If you want to follow her and sign up for her breathworks during this whole month or who knows how long she's holding these um, free or by donation, which is really a great gift. I highly recommend. We get to practice breathing and and you won't you don't need to do this and think you're just gonna cry and be in grief. I mean, some people fell asleep, some people were laughing, joy, whatever. It's just it's just a practice that's um that's deep and healing. And we need to go deep into healing. Um, that's what we're here for, you know, going deep into healing, knowing that we get to set boundaries for ourselves and for others knowing that we get to work with this deep intelligence that we have and this soul journey, this soul contract, whatever, is to, to break ancestral chains with love. Yes. That's my recovery talk for today. This is, uh, this is just a, a deep moment for, for all of us, really, to reflect in what our ancestors have have been through, the resilience that they've had, because we think this is the worst pandemic ever in our life. They, they've been through a lot of it. Our grandparents, great-grandparents, their great-grandparents, their great-grandparents. We as human beings have this capacity of resilience. And as we continue to become aware of where we can break the negative ancestral paths and hold on to the healing and the love, and as we heal... We heal our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our mothers, our fathers, all of it. And the bonus is we're softer on our kids and whoever else is around you. So it's a domino effect, people. May you find um, health and peace during this time. May you continue to seek working with the intelligence of your body and that that breathes through your body as well, whatever you call it. I call it for today, the great heart, the great spirit. And if you want to join me, nine in the morning, every day live at Instagram at Gris Alves, you can practice mindfulness with me. We're all in this together. Estamos juntos. Thank you for listening to Tales of Recovery. <laughs>